and welcome to the very first episode of The TV That Changed Me, the show in which I, Beth Watson, explore how television can shape our lives, relationships and identity. We'll be taking a deep dive into our favourite TV character psyches, poking holes in some questionable storylines and most importantly exploring the real-life impact of on-screen representation. As it's our very first episode, I thought I'd start off by explaining a little bit more about me and why I started this podcast. So, for as long as I can remember, Stars Hollow, the fictional setting for the series Gilmore Girls, has been my happy place. If I'm feeling low or anxious or gloomy about the state of the world, which um, has been quite a lot of the time recently, I'll put on an episode of Gilmore Girls. But after a year of the pandemic, the global recession, um, you know, applying for 40 jobs after the company I worked for went into liquidation, I realized I'd pretty much been trying to comfort watch my way through the pandemic. And I wanted to figure out, why are there certain shows that we just can't stop coming back to? Why is Stars Hollow my happy place? Why do I find Lorelai and Rory so endearing when they are pretty much spoiled at best and at worst totally entitled? Why am I so attracted to Logan when the general consensus is that he's a massive D-bag? My my first thought was pretty obvious. Maybe I love Gilmore Girls for the same reason as everyone else, because Stars Hollow is so idyllic. It is literally a happy place. There's summer festivals. They have a 24-hour dance competition. They have so much community spirit. Even the local rabbi and the priest are best friends. But then, in researching this episode, I saw a quote from one of the show's writers in an article from the New York Times, which I'll link to in the show notes, that struck a chord with me. The writer, whose name escapes me, (laughs) said, Of the fans I talk to, they generally fall into two categories. Either they have a Lorelai and Rory relationship, or they desperately wish they had a Lorelai and Rory relationship. And I think that's it, to be honest. Growing up, I had two brothers, a big gang of boy cousins and a mum that worked in a full time in a city over an hour away. So I basically spent a lot of my childhood wishing to have more girls around. As a child, I was super obsessed with the Olsen twins and I watched Sister Sister with Tia and Tamara religiously. At one point, I was so taken with the idea of having a female companion that I even invented an imaginary friend called Helen who would come come with me to school, um, sit with us at the table and even sometimes sleep in my bed. I also didn't realise I was bisexual at that point, but that's a story for another time. And while I did have plenty of real life friendships with girls at school, they were often pretty up and down and occasionally quite toxic. And by the time I was a teenager, remaining in the popular group had become a full time job involving barium eyeliner and pretending not to know the answers in science. Because, of course, being clever is just so uncool. My friendships were pretty plentiful. They never felt as reliable as the unconditional love I saw between on screen sisters, especially when one wrong step could mean you were left out of the friendship group for weeks. So when I started watching Gilmore Girls after school on Channel 4 at the age of 14, I came to it when I sorely needed the close, unconditional love and friendship I saw between Lorelai and Rory. I needed a cosy place to escape the scathing worlds of the girls in biology. And more than anything, I was desperate to find a place where it was cool to be smart and cool to be silly. And Stars Hollow was that place. So Gilmore Girls became an unmissable part of my daily routine. I'd finish a day of school and speed walk 35 minutes home to get in and watch the show with my brother. 
And this is one of the first times I really found myself bonding with my grumpy middle brother, James. It took some initial persuasion to get him to watch it with me, but after a while, he became just as embroiled in the lives of Lorelai and Rory as I had. And watching Gilmore Girls together soon became our sacred ritual. So as part of my first episode, I thought if I'm going to be talking about Gilmore Girls, I need to get my brother on the podcast. I want to find out the reasons behind our teenage obsession and discover if the show that changed me had an impact on him too. Just a little disclaimer before the recording starts is that we discuss some pretty gross sore throat uh, topics at the beginning, um, which I've left in for authenticity and to give you an idea of the kind of weird guy my brother is. (laughs) Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Is my audio clear? Yeah, pretty fine. Well, it needs to be more than fine. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, it's the clearest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Um, How are you doing, anyway? Uh, fine. Apart from I've got a bit of tonsillitis, so been a bit bleak this week. But it's, I think I'm nearly nearly done. Rita's been like putting bon jelly on the end of a fork and like stroking the back of my throat with it, which has been a bit like it sounds, which is horrible. I mean, that sounds actually disgusting and not a good way to cure a sore throat at all. <laughs> <laughs> It's worth it. I mean, it gives me like an hour's worth of pain-free talking, so we're good to go for an hour. I don't know good. how long this lasts. I haven't got a paid Zoom account, so it's 40 minutes. <laughs> 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 Thank you for coming on to my show. I'm really, really excited to have a first episode. Can you remember when you first watched Gilmore Girls? What was going on in your life? Do you remember? Um I think the first time I watched Gilmore Girls was when I was doing A-levels. I think you were off sick. I think you were off sick or bunking off school or something. And I wanted to just sit and have lunch and watch football or something. And um, you were like, no, we're watching Gilmore Girls, we're watching Gilmore Girls. I think I was kind of super, you know, that like... (laughs) When I was little, I was so obsessed with, like, the idea of having a sister. <laughs> but, like, I... <laughs> obviously, I, like, I had that imaginary friend called Helen. I used to always dream about being a twin. Uh, I used to watch Sister, Sister with Tia and Tamara. I used to, like, be obsessed with the Olsen twins. So I think I was really obsessed with this, like, very... This idea of having, like, a really close sister or something. And then I... When I first watched Gilmore Girls, I think it was... I think I kind of caught a snip of it a few years before this kind of like you were in A-level and I was at home from school or whatever. I think I first caught snippets of it like much younger, like when I was like 10 or 11. And I thought Rory and Lorelai were sisters. And I just thought that they were like so cool that like she was like the much older sister and she was like always looking after Rory. And because I was little, so I don't think I really understood. And then obviously, like when we got back into it, I think it must have been like commissioned to be repeated by Channel 4. Um, I obviously realised they were mum and daughter. But I think that was part of the reason that I loved the show so much was like the close relationship between them. I, I like really wanted that kind of sisterly bond. I sense that. What were you thinking about it then? I just It just seemed so different from everything else on TV that I've watched. Like everything else was very like 
plot driven and it seemed like it was more just about like like my life isn't plot driven my life is about like small interactions here and there with the same individuals and I think there's more of that sort of TV developing now but like essentially nothing happens in Stars Hollow like the same events happen every year that's what you like about it I think a hundred percent and I think I read a New York Times article in preparation for the show because I've done my homework (laughs) yeah I've read a couple of articles hey (laughs) and one thing it said was that um I write it down the show makes the small big and the big small and I thought that was a really good I thought that was a really good way of summarizing it it's like they they also mentioned it's like um you know there could be a whole episode on Rory getting a d on a paper or it's the whole episode is about you know Luke's boat it's like actually Luke's boat is obviously more about grief and kind of like him not letting go of his dad but actually where you store a boat isn't a plot point normally in a tv show I think in Gilmore Girls those things yeah those things are given so much more importance and I think that's amazing I just I just think that's more like my life it's like there's the small stresses of oh my god I've got to go to the tip today how do I fit a sofa in my car but we only started watching it when it was already repeated I think it was originally like released in like 2000 and we came to it about 2007. So I think pretty much the whole original set had already been released by that point. And I guess my question from that is like, why do you think it's lasted so long? Like, why were people watching Year in the Life in 2016 when it finished in 2000? I think because the ending to the original series was quite ambiguous. It's probably why they brought it back. But I think the reason that people still watch it is because it's very rewatchable. The fact that it's not a plot-driven TV program means that you're not always trying to find out what happens next. It's more about the experience of getting there rather than getting there itself. That's what makes it so easy to pick up from any point in the show, is that it's not plot-driven. You can enjoy almost one episode as a standalone story like for example the episode of the 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 living art oh yeah like that's that's completely mad so do you want to describe more or less what happens in that episode i mean i can't remember the rest of like the things around it but the general idea of the episode was that stars hollow this tiny town that's probably got like a thousand residents somehow has the budget to put on like a world-renowned living art show where people are inside paintings and it isn't like Lorelei part of a Van Gogh or a Renoir painting then she's really worried that last year the last time it happened that she sneezed or moved when she wasn't supposed to and then she has this like massive crisis of confidence right before she goes on stage. Yeah, no, yeah. So that's exactly it. Is that she's the Renoir girl? Is that right? The Renoir girl. The, the Renoir one. girl, and that she she's really worried about being the Renoir girl this year because the year before she sneezed. Or oh, she oh she's uninvited from being the Renoir girl even, and she has to persuade them to make her the Renoir girl again. Because Kirk wants his girlfriend to be it, doesn't he? Yes, because Kirk wants his girlfriend to be it. And um, yeah, and then when she does go on stage, something does happen. Oh, she gets a phone call when she's up on stage being the Renoir girl. Oh, is it? Is this uh, Christopher's new baby or something? Yeah, someone's having a baby. Like that's what the phone call, the phone call is definitely someone having a baby. But um, 
I think, yeah, and I think that's exactly the epitome of what we're talking about of yeah, making the small big and the big small. It's like, why do you why are we so invested in the fact that Laura Lai sneezed last year as the Renoir girl? Why do we care so much about like the success of the living art festival of Stars Hollow? Just because like you and I grew up in a small town as well, it makes more sense to us. In the there was always like the local swimming competition that me and Joe had to win, or there was like a little local rivalry between football teams, or um, I don't know, like the, the local rock concert that was on that probably had 50 people attend. Then everyone's like, oh, it's the really big band that's Gloucestershire's best band or something. Exactly. And I think um, that it really reminds me of the beginning of this country where they've got the, the Scarecrow Festival. And actually, yeah, that's a really good point about this country, actually, which um, for those people who don't know, this country is a mockumentary comedy series um, on BBC Three that was actually based around the small town that me and James grew up in, which is Sirencester, um, and written by uh, a friend of our brothers, Charlie Cooper, who is also the star. And <laughs> and I think the thing is with this country is it's exactly the same. It's small town life in like such a granular way. And it's it's so relatable, but it's also you wouldn't want it to be all there was in your life, but there's something so comforting about the fact that it is for those characters. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely very American in some senses, but it definitely captures a bit of that sort of small English town vibe, especially like Gloucestershire towns where you've got like the cheese rolling festival or the Woolsack race or something. That seems very start hollow. Exactly. I think so too. I was going to ask as well, is there any other similarities I can think of one massive similarity between us when we were teenagers and Rory and Lorelai with them um, in Gilmore Girls. I was only thinking this the other day since you brought this up, but I think I think Rita is a lot like Rory. <laughs> for, context, for context, Rita is James's girlfriend. <laughs> um, why is Rita like Rory, Jim? She spends so much time studying. So she's, well... She's doing a, an ophthalmology course at the minute. Mm. And she's also doing another like equine medicine certificate. Um, <laughs> and then she's also started tutoring Portuguese to like two other people. So she's just a classic overachiever. Is that what you think the similarity yeah, is? Yeah. And then she's always complaining that she's not doing enough. <laughs> For me, definitely. The obsession with Oxbridge that my oh, uh, so our, much, yeah. <laughs> our dad has an, a real obsession with Oxbridge and was maybe a little bit let down that we didn't none of none of the three of us applied there. And I think Richard and Emily and Gilmore Girls are obviously obsessed with Rory going to Yale. Um, Rory's obsessed with going to Harvard for the most part of the beginning, and then you know swaps teams and goes to Yale. And I think. There is, yeah, I really re that really resonated with me to just have this like pressure on your university and having a regimented dinner every week with your grandparents. Like we used to have our grandpa over every Saturday when I was applying for uni. And um, I think we were looking at the UCAS um, options because obviously you, you enter in your top five, you write your little essay, your personal statement. And um, mine were like Sheffield. Manchester, Leeds, Nottingham, 
something like that. Can't remember. Southampton. Southampton, because I drove there. <laughs> yeah, and Southampton, which we went to visit together. And um, Dad looked at my UCAS form drop-down list and was like, why are you applying to these second-rate universities? <laughs> <laughs> Dad was like, had his bee in his bonnet that I hadn't applied to Oxford and Cambridge, even though the deadline was like three months before this because Oxford and Cambridge have the previous deadline. Some people say that Lorelai is a bit self-obsessed, ungrateful, whatever. Um, for wanting to live in Stars Hollow and for taking her parents' money and then being grumpy about it. What do you think? Like, what do you what do you say to criti- criticism of Lorelai and Rory? I mean, she's rebellious in the least rebellious way possible. This is kind of how you'd say it. It's like she, she ran away from her family to the next town and <laughs> came back to them and takes their money and, you know, has quite a lot of, interactions with them as a daily weekly basis <laughs> exactly like she didn't exactly like cut off all of her hair by a harley davidson and travel around the u.s like she literally like just got like a regular normal job in the next town over and i think i think because there's that sort of implement yeah that um implied thing that it could have gone that way with when her and christopher like were a little bit rebellious but she rejected even that rebelliousness and just went to Stars Hollow, which is the greatest little town. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, she's never done anything that's actually... Apart from having a baby at, like, 15 or 16, like, she's literally never done anything, like, super rebellious at all. Like, she's not into crime. She's not a drug addict. She doesn't steal money. She, you know, like, she's perfectly normal woman. Christopher mm-hmm. is a shit character. I mean, obviously, they have to bring in Rory's dad at some point. But he's kind of this, yeah, the sort of smarmy stepdad, right? Like flies in for a couple of episodes, disappears again. Christopher is like such a smarmy douchebag, and also, did you hear this rumor that he was at the Capitol building? I don't that the actor who plays. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but everyone believed it. And I think the fact that everyone believed it says says so much about what everyone thinks about Christopher as a character. Is um yeah, I don't know. Someone put on TikTok or maybe Twitter that he had been one of the people storming the Capitol. And um yeah, the fact that the whole of the internet believed that Christopher from Gilmore Girls could have been like a Trump nationalist insurrectionist is is pretty hilarious, in my opinion. Um, but I think there's some fantastic characters in it. The character, like the fact that it's not, he's definitely like an ensemble cast. It's not like a, just sort of one or two people is what I really like about it as well. Yeah, nice. Character resonates with you the most. If Lorelai, Rory, Jess, I don't know. I was always, always a big fan of Luke, but I think he's sort of designed to be that sort of likable chump. That's sort of always longing after Lorelai. Um, I think everyone in the whole world hated Logan from from day one. No, you fancied him. I fancy, yeah, I fancied Logan. I thought he was cool, and I think he was the bit of like he pushed Rory a little bit. Like Dean was obviously so nice, and like nothing exciting came really from Rory and Dean. Jess. Like, 
it's just too moody to get like anywhere meanwhile Logan like pushed her and made her like a slightly more have a more interesting time at university like until she meets Logan like she doesn't really have many friends and she hasn't really like stepped out of her comfort zone at all at Yale yeah I remember there's the guy Marty isn't there who's literally like like her Luke equivalent yeah I mean R.I.P I mean R.I.P Marty like he doesn't die but like he dies romantically which is such <laughs> he doesn't he does not succeed <laughs> in being uh Rory Suter which is a shame because they've got a really cool friendship but I think um yeah no Logan's good he pushes her out of her comfort zone um how do you what do you think about the reboot tell me honestly about the end of it particularly what the, the fact that Rory's pregnant yeah. Um, Are you pro con? Who do you think it was? Pro? Am I pro or con pregnancy? Um, <laughs> I uh, pro, pro con of the episode. <laughs> the episode. Well, apparently, Amy Sherman Palladino wrote that line. It's a bit like you know that like that J.K. Rowling wrote the last chapter of Harry Potter before she wrote like most of the books. Apparently, Amy Sherman Palladino finished Gilmore Girls with the pregnancy had always wanted to finish Gilmore Girls with the pregnancy, um, but wasn't able to because she fell out with like the producers or the execs or some people in the seventh series. She didn't write the seventh series, um, but she did come back and write Year in the Life. Yeah. So what was the question? <laughs> did you like Year in the Life and did you like the ending? And who's, whose baby is it? Uh, I... And do you think it'll come back as another series? I think it will come back. I think it will come back for one more series because I think it was really successful. But it's now been like five years and it hasn't come back. Um, I did like it. I thought it was good. I think any. I'm always up for a reboot just because I think I get so emotionally invested in TV characters that um, I just want to see them again, like their old friends. Um, but I don't do... opposite. Are you? I, you want I, it to be over. I prefer to have like a one series wonder that's self-contained. And then just, you know, don't bring it back and fuck it up. I, I like it when they just know when to end stuff. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think also Year in the Life, what I didn't like about it was that it tried to sort of bring it into 2016, which is when it came out, and did it a bit badly. Like the opening line is like Lorelai being like, fat shaming, slut shaming, like just like listing off a load of like new trendy vocab that people use. And I was like, just like, she was always kind of like her own woman anyway. She doesn't really need to like list off a load of feminist buzzwords for us to think she's like a feminist or whatever. Oh, this was going to be one of my questions for you. Is, do you think it's, what do you think of its feminism? That is a tricky question. I think in some ways it is really feminist because it centers two women's stories who are just like, okay, there is a bit of back and forth with falling in love and that kind of thing. But it is, it's a show about a relationship between two, three women, if you include Emily, um, and generational like divide between those women with Emily and Laura, like obviously not with Lorelai and Rory. Um, and I think in that way, it's very feminist. But then the other thing is, is like they eat so much food all the time, but they never gain any weight. And we're supposed to believe that that's like normal <laughs> and possible, which is like completely not possible. So in that way, it gives you a bit of an unrealistic. I think for definitely for like body image issues, it's not good. 
because you can't simply wake up in the morning and have like pancakes, bacon and a cheeseburger and look like how Lauren Graham and Alexis Bledel do. Um, so that would, yeah, definitely not. And then and then if we're talking on the wider sense of like actually being an inclusive show, uh, no, not at all. I mean, like, yeah, no. And, and that's what was so disappointing with A Year in the Life is that um, um, there were some racist bits. Like Emily has the whole, has the maid who's, who is played by um, Gypsy. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same actress, I think. I'll check that because that I think was... no, I did think I do think I knew that. Yeah, yeah. and G- it's fucking annoying because Gypsy's character in the main show, in the seven series prior, is like fucking cool. She's a badass. She's a mechanic. Like she doesn't take any shit from anyone. Like that's amazing. What a great character. What a great female character. And then she comes back in Year in the Life and she's playing the maid and who like invites her whole family to live with Emily after Richard dies. But Emily spends her whole time being like, what language are they speaking? What language even is that? Like really rudely. And like, I know the kind of trope of Emily is that she's mean to her maids, but like they're speaking fucking Spanish. And it's like, like that was that for me it was like okay so Lorelai's listing or feminist buzzwords but we've like are being just like outwardly xenophobic to this whole family living in Emily's house okay so I think in feminism terms like it's not the best um the other interesting thing about a year in the life and how they tried to make it like more politically of the times was that Michelle is gay openly gay in year in the life when it's never actually mentioned out Properly, that he is. Towards the end of the original series, he mentions male names that he's partnering with. I think it was always pretty obvious he was gay, wasn't it? I think it was obvious, but I think the fact that it was unspoken says a lot about what was kind of normal at the time. I don't know, when was Will and Grace? Like, Will and Grace was of the same sort of time, wasn't it? And that was like a very, that was an openly gay character. Don't they make a lot of jokes about like, about Michelle's dogs and and he's like, oh, um, I can't remember what the dog's called, but Pierre or something. And Lorelai just assumes that it's like uh, Michelle's new partner. And he's like, no, no, it's my puppies. Oh, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I want to find out um, what the dog was called, actually. He had two, and they were child puppies, and one of them was called... <laughs> I, I shouldn't remember all this. <laughs> poor, poor, poor. And Chin Chin? Yeah, Chin Chin. Chin Chin. And then I'm going to also ask, was he gay in the original series? Um, GilmoreGirlsFandom.com. We love it. He is the concierge. He is often grumpy, sarcastic, unpleasant, and a militant health nut, but always manages to remain somewhat lovable. He finds other French people odious and hopes that his suits will be a deduction when the inn has to cut down on spending. I remember that. He accompanies Lorelai and Suki through all of their business ventures. As Lorelai once put it, we are addicted to you. He also has two dogs, Pawpaw and Chin Chin. Chin Chin passed away in the seventh season. Although his ex- his sexuality is never explicitly stated. His husband is mentioned several times. Is he? That's so interesting. In the revival, Michelle is married to a man and previously pursued women, though it is never mentioned whether he's gay or bisexual. Mm, We love it, Gilmore Girls fandom. Give us all your knowledge. (laughs) This is completely unrelated. I just heard it on the radio the other day and I thought it was relevant. So this was on Radio 4. They said that... um, 
in books where girl or girls are named in the title. Have you heard this? No. If the book is written by a woman, then there's like half the chance of if the book is written by a man that the girl in the title will die. Explain that again. (laughs) (laughs) Let me, I'm trying to do the maths in my head. I can't, (laughs) just tell me. I, I can't remember the exact numbers. I think it was, if the book is written by a man, then the girl in the book has a 20% chance of dying. Okay. If the book is written by a woman, then I think it was an 8% chance of dying. Wow. Okay. So it having, and it's having the word girl in the title or having a girl's name in the title? No, like girl of the dragon tattoo or the girl on the train, long girl or... But, oh wow okay that's really interesting I was going I thought you were going to say a different slightly on the same similar point I thought you're going to say a different point which is that if something's got the word girls or girl in the title people are like less likely to read or watch it maybe don't know so I think that's true also and particularly I don't know any other men who have watched Gilmore Girls maybe Joe but that's because we were both beholden to you when it came to the TV remote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Gilmore Girls is popular with some guys, but um, there's like a whole podcast called The Gilmore Guys where they review all the episodes of Gilmore Girls. Is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole podcast about it. So I think it is really popular with some guys, but um, you're right. And there's there's a whole thing to be said about actually Gilmore Girls didn't receive a lot of... Um, recognition like Lorelai never won an Emmy even though people say now that she should have done um because she was an amazing actress and actually it took a really it takes a, a lot of skill to be able to speak so quickly and get all those references in and like still be charming and funny um and yeah she never won an Emmy apparently the only Emmy that Gilmore Girls has ever won was uh for best oh, makeup. I know this. I know this. oh what is um, it best makeup for the living living art festival ah uh, we both read the same Gilmore Girls trivia thing um exactly and I think there is a real you find it a lot where things that are enjoyed by teenage girls or by women are depreciated um you know, like people kind of thought the 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 Gilmore Girls. People kind of thought the Beatles would were lame until men started liking the Beatles because they were seen to be like this teenage pop fandom thing, and then they became really popular. And that's the same with like Harry Styles now. And Harry Styles is um a really good example because he's just like he doesn't take any shit. Like people are like, what do you think about the fact that only teenage girls like your records? And he said something like. Teenage girls are the meanest fucking people. If they like my records, then I think that's a pretty good badge of honour. <laughs> well, I've definitely heard that the Beatles were the one direction of their era. I've definitely heard that quite a few times. Mm, I think so. I think so. Can you talk a little bit about like what our relationship was like when we were teenagers and what you were like and what I was like? I don't think we got on very well before we started watching Gilmore Girls, if I'm honest. I completely agree. Tell me more. I, I feel like it was our bonding experience with um with watching Gilmore Girls. And I don't think we had much to talk about before that. So you don't think we got on particularly well before we started watching Gilmore Girls together? I don't tell me why not? Why don't why not? And I mean I don't think we disliked each other, but I think we were largely ignorant of each other from our childhood until that point. <laughs> 
Largely ignorant. Tell me what you mean by largely ignorant of each other. Just happen to cohabit, you know, like the sort of housemate you have at uni that, you know, stays in the room or whatever. I don't know. I think, like, when we were little, little kids, we probably interacted more. When you get to your teenage years, then um, I think we kind of just led slightly separate lives. I think I think the fact that it came in at the time when I was just starting at A-levels, so Joe had just left. So I think Joe our, was out. Our eldest brother, our eldest brother, Joe, who is two years older maybe, than James. Maybe Gilmore Girls filled the void of Joe. <laughs> Don't let him hear that. He'll absolutely never let us live it down. So, yeah, because he was the peacemaker between us because he's kind of like, yeah, because you two always had football in common and like whatever, maths. I don't know what you two talk about. And um, me and Joe had, what did me and Joe have in common? Uh, Same parents. I don't know. Me and Joe always got on. And so I guess Joe and you and I, he was kind of like the mediator in that way, wasn't he? So I guess, yeah, when Joe had gone to uni, why why would we hang out with each other? Because we didn't really have anything in common. But when we started watching Gilmore Girls, it was like we had something in common. And I guess from like what we've already talked about today, like it did resonate with us, the small town vibes, the slightly like constraining traditionalist side of Richard and Emily like uh, there was a lot of themes in there that we both bonded with we finally had something to talk about now we've got loads to talk about yeah why do we have more to talk about now because we both like women we both like women (laughs) I think but we did um yeah maybe it's that We also like both have worked in marketing now. Uh, we both, yeah yeah. yeah, 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 maybe that as well. Um, yeah, we both have more in common now. We both went to the same uni. I guess we hadn't been to the same uni before that because we were still I teenagers. That was also the thing was I drove you to Nottingham and to Southampton. I think those were the, your first and second choices in the end. And I feel like I had a really big part in that. That always, that always meant a lot to me. Oh, you were inspirational. And that's our show. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram at TV Change Me or on Twitter at TV Change Me Pod. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast apps. Then it will get downloaded straight to your telephone mobile every time there's a new episode, which would be amazing. This podcast was produced by me, Beth Watson, edited by myself. Uh, All music was produced by the beautiful musical mastermind that is Iora Music. You can find her on Spotify and Instagram by searching Iora, that's I-O-R-A. Big thanks to my big brother James for appearing on this episode. It will actually be his birthday the day this comes out, so I hope he has a lovely day and isn't too embarrassed by the sound of his voice. Um, And uh, I think that's everything. Cheers, babe. Bye.